0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at
1: meta.com metaverse impact.
0: Welcome to episode 347 with my guest, Paul Rust. Uh, I'm Paul Gilmartin. I'm a different Paul. And uh, this is the mental illness happy hour. Come on in, <laughs> have a seat. I, I do not know who this uh, folksy person is that I'm channeling, uh, but I'm not a fan of it. Uh, this is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. Uh, this show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office, I ain't no therapist more like a waiting room that doesn't suck uh, the website for this show is mentalpod.com uh, metalpod is also the twitter handle uh, that you can uh follow follow me at um, want to remind you that la pod fest is coming up uh october 6th 7th and 8th and my guest is going to be andy kindler should be a lot of fun um, for more information, go to lapodfest.com. And I'm coming to Minneapolis to do a live recording. Um, I'll have more information shortly. Um, it's in mid to late October, I believe. And uh, I'm doing it at a uh, brewery. I love the idea of that. A sober guy doing a show at a brewery. Um, and uh, it's going to be on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, and then I'm going to emcee a show that night at the same uh, place, a comedy show. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Apparently the owner of uh, this brewery is a fan of the podcast. Wants to bring me in. Maybe I'll saunter in like a big shot. Disappoint him. Be all full of myself. Uh, I know, despite my low self-esteem, I do get uh, full of myself sometimes. Actually, this episode with, uh, with Paul Rust, as I was listening back to it, um, I was like, oh my God, I sound like such a fucking blowhard know-it-all. Uh, it Sometimes I don't know where the truth is. And uh, if I am a blowhard know-it-all, c- keep it to yourself. I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I want to hear that uh, just, just right now. Wait till I'm like in my 80s and then you can go, listen, you don't have much time left. So we just thought we'd let you know that you have been such a fucking blowhard your whole life and we didn't want you to pass into the great beyond without having that information so that maybe in the next life you'll listen a little more and, uh, and talk a little less um there was something that i wanted to share and i can't remember what it i have i have this shit written down and i'm having trouble remembering what it was uh this memory came back to me uh this week (laughs) was i was graduating from college and i was talking to my dad on the phone and i said you know, the ceremony is, because uh, I went an extra year, uh, I went five years, uh, we like to call that the victory lap, I took a victory lap, and um, and I said to him, uh, you know, most of my friends have already graduated, so, you know, uh, I I don't think I'm going to go to the graduation ceremony.
1: <laughs> my dad
0: goes, oh, thank God. He goes, Paul, I was going to offer you $500 to not come. My dad was going to pay me to not have to come to my graduation ceremony. But fortunately, he and I both hate people. So we we bonded over that. Uh, I was in my one of my support groups this week and I was thinking about inner peace. And to me, like all of the work that I've done in support groups and therapy and et cetera, et cetera, the biggest payoff for that is to be able to experience peace in the midst of a crisis or chaos or whatever. And I have learned how valuable not letting things disturb me is. Now, that's Not to be confused with not seeing reality and being in denial. But for instance, being on the freeway, and somebody is driving uh, selfishly or dangerously, um, I could let that fuck with my inner peace. But one of the things I've learned is there is a cost to getting upset at people and being outraged at people. It's setting my level of expectation for how people should behave. And being mad when that isn't being met and it is not worth it to get upset over things that really in this in the scheme of things don't matter and i think a lot of us place no value on that you know we we go through the day just giving our our inner peace away for pennies Somebody taking 30 seconds too long in line at the grocery store. Really? Is that worth giving away your inner peace instead of just accepting that this person has their own schedule? You know, or if you want to say something, you know, say, is there uh, another line that I can check out, you know, that's not behind this fucking douche? And there you go. You've lost your peace. But the one place that I have found I really struggle with is, and you wouldn't think this would happen to a middle-aged man, but being taunted. Because sometimes in the course of playing hockey, it gets competitive and people can get really nasty. And if you aren't ready to take it to the physical confrontation yet, it gets really, really... Nasty verbally out there. And I don't know. For some reason I can't I'm willing to give my peace away for that. But I still think that's pretty I think that's pretty good. So maybe just something to consider as you go throughout your day. Notice when you're agitated and say is this worth giving my peace peace of mind away. Um, I want to read two two surveys, and um, but before I do that, <clears throat> something I've been experiencing when I sit down to do the podcast every week is I, I, many times I feel this crushing weight that wasn't there hours before that. Um oftentimes I'm excited to to sit down and do the podcast, you know, as I as a when I'm 2 hours away from doing it. Ideas are flying through my head and um but then for some reason in that hour before I do it when I'm making the last adjustments and putting stuff in the order that I I, I want to read it in or talk about it, um this heaviness comes over me. And I think it's, it's a fear that it sounds too dramatic, but a fear that I'm not enough, that, that I have to bring my absolute A game or I'm going to fail. And the reason for my failure will be that I'm lazy. And then I will be in so much regret that I underestimated, that I got, that I got lazy and complacent and full of myself. And maybe it helps if I if I talk about that, uh, because a lot of times I think talking about your fears takes the power um out of them. But I don't want this to I want this to be a, a, a show that I always love doing and I don't know I, I, I don't know <clears throat> If this is just a temporary thing um it's been (laughs) happening on and off for two years so maybe it's not a temporary thing maybe it happened from the beginning i don't know but uh listen you and i the list uh, you the listener and i we've we've gotten to know each other and i feel like i can confide in you because you guys will keep it to yourself Some days I just feel like I don't know where the truth is in things. I guess that's why you're supposed to go with your gut. Anyway, I'm getting way, way, way off track. I want to tell you about our uh, our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. In fact, I should probably talk to uh, my counselor Donna about this uh, tomorrow. Every Friday afternoon, we have an uh, an online session. And uh, I am a big fan of um, doing online therapy. Um, If you want to check it out, go to betterhelp.com slash mental. All you got to do is complete a questionnaire and you get matched with a betterhelp.com counselor. And you get to experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is right for you. Uh, You got to be over 18. But I can't say enough good things about BetterHelp. Um, People I know that are trying it are really digging it. And uh people who uh, have have tried it and weren't a match with the first counselor that they were assigned tried a different counselor and that counselor was a match because sometimes that happens you know there's chemistry involved in the uh, the client therapist relationship and uh, it is important to feel safe with that person and I feel very safe with uh, with Donna, my therapist so uh, betterhelp.com slash mental. All right. Now I'm going to read the, uh, the two surveys. This is an awful some moment filled out by, uh, a person who calls themselves, uh, obsessive compulsive disaster. And they write, I work at Disneyland and there's nothing quite like trying to fight off a panic attack while you have to height check children or attempt to disguise the fact that you've been crying while you tell your guests to watch their step as they exit your ride. Well, you know what? That would be better than saying, uh, doesn't matter. I don't care if you watch your step because ultimately none of this matters. We're specks of dust in the wind and then Kansas kicks in. Uh, this is an awfulsome moment by Nancy, AKA art girl. And she writes struggling with sex addiction. Uh, I would meet men online. And sometimes it was a long-term, and she she writes, I have not done so in a few months. And sometimes it was a long-term thing, but mostly it was a one-time sexual meet-up. But I always chatted for a long time, two to three weeks uh, before to meet, unless it was just a blowjob, LOL, I know, right? Question mark. I met a guy and told him about me. Latina, height, weight, married, and what I like sexually, etc. We chatted for a few days and agreed to meet for a drink. I met him at a biker bar and parked at the rear across an alleyway in a field used as extra parking. It was twilight, so sun was set, but still a bit light. He pulled up on a bike kind of at the end of the parking lot uh, slash field, and I parked closer to the alleyway, so he had to walk across to me. I stood outside of my truck and greeted him with a hug, and he grabbed my arms and kind of pushed me away, still holding my arms. He glared at me and said, I didn't think you were this Mexican. What? I reminded him he knew I was Latina, and we discussed this at length while chatting. He said, I ain't messing with a fucking Mexican. To which I said, well, it was nice meeting you. Have a good evening. What an asshole. He turned to leave and was grumbling about what a fucking waste of time. LOL, whatever, dude. As he is walking across the parking lot, he trips over a railroad tie. I didn't giggle or anything; just thought, "Serves you right, asshole!" And turned to go to the bar. I should note that the bar was starting to get busy, and this uh, lot only had a couple of uh, hand, only a handful of cars, so I had not seen anyone entering or exiting the bar from this lot. He starts yelling my name, "Nancy!" So I stop and turn around, thinking he was going to apologize, but he's still on the ground. I can see he's hurt, so I ran over and said, Oh, no, what's wrong? He said, I broke my leg. Help me, help me. I had my phone in my pocket, but I heard myself saying, I don't have my phone. Do you have yours? I'll call 911. Just lay still. He pulled his phone out of his jeans and handed it to me. I must say, he could have called for himself, but I grabbed his phone, and instead of dialing 911, I dialed 944. I proceeded to explain to no one what happened and how hurt he was. I asked him his age, what exactly hurt and pain level. I talked to no one and gave the area of the bar and the parking lot and where he was. At this time, it was really dark uh, dark by now. No street lights in this parking area slash field. So now I pretend to hang up and tell him they should be here in a little bit by now. And I tossed his phone across the field. And I got the fuck out of there. Funny, I never heard from him again. And yes, I felt really good about all of it.
1: I'm so scared of being alive and so scared of dying. I was so, so lonely, but I couldn't bear being around people. and it hurt. I've just been, like, very interested in dicks.
0: I don't know how to let loose and just be. All my alters have different handwriting and different... Extremely anxious. Affects. I am most turned on when I
1: am in fear. My first thought was I'm about to die. Stomach clutching despair. Ocean of sadness. I came out over the phone to them. I put myself on the act diet in fourth grade.
0: I'm here with uh, Paul Rust, who is a comedian,
1: writer, uh, actor, uh, juggler, clown. Uh, yes, juggler hyphen clown. Um, the hyphen you, is important.
0: You dropped international pantomime artist from uh, your business card. Why? Why was that?
1: Uh, well, you know there you have to pay by the letter with the, <laughs> with the business card people, and after a while you start to think: Is it really worth the uh, extra forty dollars per card? <laughs> To, to get, get the that, one, yeah. the one state fair gig, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's yeah, worth it. Probably.
0: It's uh, always so fun to have a guest on who uh, can jump into the silly uh, <laughs> right away. I record a lot of listeners, and some of them can kind of jump into the you know the silly and and uh, what
1: about the silly dilly? The, the silly
0: dilly is actually a little too much. There's uh, <laughs> there's a silly dilly clause in the building that I rent this uh, space from. And uh
1: You let some, them know that's not gonna happen. They don't I have say, to yes. worry. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. but yeah. when nobody's here, um <laughs> I get very silly. <laughs> uh, as I was talking to Paul before we started recording, uh our paths uh, have crossed many times, but we've never officially sat down and talked you know we probably given a nod to each other backstage mm-hmm. at the UCB theater in mm-hmm. LA etc uh, etc et
1: I think yeah the first show uh, I saw at the UCB featured you and mm-hmm. I watched it multiple times it was mm-hmm. called Red State Raiders so there mm-hmm. were many times that I was mm-hmm. sitting in the dark <laughs> laughing at stuff you were doing well just I, to make it sound as creepy as
0: yeah. possible <laughs> <laughs> I'm very flattered I'm very flattered um, you what would people know you best from because you have so many uh, credits as an actor and a a writer and an improviser um it's it's hard for me to know which i you know we'd be Mm -hmm. here for a half hour if i read down the list what would people know you Hmm. from and 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 currently what would you like them to know you oh yeah for for doing
1: well right now i'm a uh uh actor and writer on a show called Love mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix that I... And you
0: write with your wife, right? Yeah, I co-created
1: yeah. it with my wife, uh, Leslie Arfin, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, we've been, uh, we just finished up the the third season of that, so that might be even just uh, given um, the, um, I don't know, the heartfulness of your listeners, mm-hmm. I, I could, I, it, that would most likely be the thing that uh, that's actually been the nicest thing yeah. about... Uh, If somebody approaches you about the show because the show is fairly sensitive and Mm -hmm. wears its heart on its sleeve, the people who approach you feel like they. I wonder if you get this too. But like you you know, they people open up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it's
0: really, it's really nice. There's so many walls. You know, living in a a megalopolis uh, Mm -hmm. that that. When that wall gets broken down at somebody bumping into you at a coffee shop or you bumping into somebody else, it's like just reminds you that we are all
1: connected. Yeah. Well, because like it was actually my worry that a wall would go up with that, like something would happen where if I met somebody, maybe and not to put myself on a pedestal or whatever, but just if somebody felt like they had to impress me so they come. My least favorite thing to see in in human beings is like sort of seeing people try to act cool. It just mm-hmm. makes me sweat. Like they're not enough, <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's yeah. like I gotta be I gotta be extra special for this person to accept me.
1: Yeah, and so that's what I thought I, I was only going to be seeing was was that if I met somebody if if they liked mm-hmm. the show, but it's the complete complete opposite. opposite to my to my delight and joy like because then you you actually do get to connect with people in a real way and people talk about their relationship uh issues but um
0: and now is judd uh attached to uh to that yes yeah okay.
1: judd apatow also uh co-created the show with leslie and i yeah yeah um
0: I could go down the show business rabbit hole, but I'm not uh, going to because they're, they're, I want to try to focus on the, the mental part of yes. this, but there are many questions that I would like to ask you uh, about that. So I'm just going to refrain because uh, we'll be here oh, uh, yes. all, all yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although Judd is uh, uh, very interested in uh, mental health and he reads a lot of self-help books and, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, He's um he's actually sort of the best boss you can have because it is somebody you know is going to be open hearted to whatever you're going through. You know, I think most workplace situations you're actually supposed to repress. It's all right, I don't know, you know, but like you know, if I think about um, of uh of all the uh, Hollywood producers. <laughs> I'm sure Judd Apatow's an easier person to talk to emotionally uh, than, like, Joel Silver. <laughs> I was just going to say him. I swear to
0: God, I was just going to say him.
1: Not to oh, rank on Joel Silver here, but... Oh, yeah, my God. That's, that's so funny that... Uh, that is so funny. He's the go-to for everybody.
0: Yeah, for somebody who's... uh, uh Insensitive and uh, pushes for what they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, just turn your mic a little bit so sure. I can uh, up here. Let's like see then. your. Oh, no, just to the side and, and move over a little bit so I can see your face. Oh, yeah, like that. Uh, the other way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here. Then...
0: That, yeah, this arm swings. Ah, oh, is that good? Yeah, yep. yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, so, um, where to begin? Mm-hmm. Uh. Talk about the cynicism, uh, that is so prevalent among people in the arts, especially writers. And I imagine you have gone through periods in your life where you were cynical. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet you don't seem to be a cynical person today at all, um, Talk about your experience with cynicism, Is either as a person experiencing it and thinking that's the way to go, or um, with people who are cynical.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Is
0: that too broad of a question? No,
1: I love that question, actually. Okay. It's a really fun I, off point. Especially
0: think for, for uh, young people, college age, people in their 20s, teenagers even, it seems like such a good idea because so many people kind of have that stance and don't realize
1: um, how much it kind of can erode your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, much erosion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this question, um, a couple of days ago because I've been, um, what was I, uh, Oh, I was rewatching uh the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh like the stuff that came out in the uh, uh you know, when I was growing up and it it uh it made me think like man, when I was coming of age, uh there was cynicism seemed to be the the thing. I was like, man, if it wasn't like I was listening to Nirvana, or uh um all the products were like or simpsons or seinfeld it almost was like the whole decade of the 90s was like this kind of uh, and i'm not the first person to say this but it was just like sort of ironic and cynical.
0: I'm above it all. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I To be genuine is to be stupid. Right. To be authentic is to be stupid yeah. and gullible. Right, right, right. Yeah. And in comedy, I think David Letterman kind of really was influential, as brilliant as he is, mm-hmm. I think uh, everybody trying to imitate his sarcasm mm-hmm. um, kind of took a foothold in comedy that ultimately became a parody of itself.
1: Yeah, right. And and uh, probably further than David Letterman ever meant it to go. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. yeah. I read an interview with him recently where he said something like, you know, my job, it, it, when it was at its worst or when I was at my worst, was somebody would come out and all I had to do was say like, uh, hey, nice jacket, dummy. And he's like, and the joke is I'm being sarcastic because it's not a nice joke. Like, Mm -hmm. he realized, like, the thing he's doing is actually very simple and easy for a comedian to do. Like, it's very easy just to be sarcastic. Or, So, you know, I'm mindful of the fact of, like, oh, most of the stuff that I uh, loved and grew up with and sort of shaped some sensibility was uh, a cynical sensibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, have I been... Uh, working through it like uh sense uh, you you know i don't know like i i I definitely battle and go back and forth between um uh, i mean i i guess it's easy to be cynical about uh career stuff or world stuff i'm trying to think you know like i remember just to share an experience of Mm -hmm. cynicism uh I remember I was with a a friend of mine named John, and uh, he said... Um, I
0: can't uh, stand him.
1: <laughs> and you know, because it's such a specific name, he's which jo- John he's, I'm talking about. He's Joel
0: Silver's kid, right?
1: <laughs> John, John Silver. Yes. Long, Long John <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. That's uh, the money they're rolling in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, he... Um, Wait, was it my yeah, John,
0: cynicism, you were with your
1: friend John. Yeah, and I, uh, I was just like, oh, the, um, I think I was saying something like, you know, it's just like the way it gets is like it, we're eventually reached a point that like everybody's so uh, gross. And sometimes I think like each day we're reaching a maximum level of like excess and um, selfishness. And he said, "Well, yeah, but what I try to do is like think about how, like, uh, 50 years ago I could have gotten something and immediately died, but science and medicine is like, and like, it's taken an easy route a little bit. It does help me. I realized, like, subways maybe do I make a." technology a god because i i go like man this sucks right now but i bet in 10 years something will come along (laughs) and fix it like it's it's the same sort of like rope i'm pulling you know but uh it did help me like i guess uh what i'm trying to say is like the cynicism a lot of times comes out of that uh what's that um have you ever heard the chronocentrism no it's like egocentrism but it's chrono time it's like the idea that the time you live in is either the most important or the worst of times or the, you know, and uh, I'll have to check my chronocentrism sometimes (laughs) or I'll be like, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. I'm like, well, I'm not uh, living in the sixties and I'm not losing my friends to a draft in the war. (laughs) Like like, like, maybe that would have also been, but you know, yeah. Um, but anyway.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's such an easy stance because you risk nothing. Um, being cynical, you risk nothing, and to be vulnerable, um, you risk looking foolish. But talk about by being vulnerable, what you've, what you've learned. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that that you are somebody that gets vulnerable because uh, you know I listened to your episode on uh, on Marin and uh, and it was great, and I was like, oh man, I'd love to 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 get him oh, as yeah. a guest because you just uh We so you met so much book. I was
1: flattered uh, that you had me on your show yeah. so thank you paul uh uh yeah but like in terms of vulnerability or yeah yeah um yeah i i mean I do think like it's because like sometimes uh i don't know like i i i the vulnerability thing is always like you're you're i think for me it's something that's always getting checked by, um, I don't want to be, um, uh, somehow humiliated or exposed or exploited. So those times where it's hard to be vulnerable, I think that's when, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you know, when I was, um, when I was a, 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 kid i had two older sisters uh, i have two older sisters still mm-hmm. and uh we used to play this uh game with my cousins called um make me laugh that was based on this game show where mm-hmm. they bring comedians i remember yeah, yeah 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 it made you laugh yeah it made and, me laugh we played it on my block as well oh you would yeah. oh yeah. my gosh i love that there are so many neighborhood home editions of oh, this yeah. game yeah played it on my front porch oh loved it it's yeah. great it's yeah. a great game uh, you know just the game is like somebody sits there they can't laugh and then you do any ridiculous thing to make somebody laugh. It's a pretty great game. Pretty great game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we were playing it with my cousins, and because my cousins were playing, it was like a bigger pool of people or something, but my middle sister, um, she she said I couldn't join in, but I could watch, which, you know, for a little mm-hmm. brother is like, that's usually half of your experience, is like watching the older cousins do do mm-hmm. funny stuff. So I was watching, and... And as a burgeoning comedian too because i was like five or six Mm -hmm. i was like hey if i was up there i could be killing right now (laughs) (laughs) like just let me on that stage this is my room yeah 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 i have them eaten out of my (laughs) hands uh so i couldn't do it they wouldn't let me do it they wouldn't let me do it and then uh my same sister was like hey do you want to help me with the uh, with make me laugh And i was like yes i'm there a duo like a duo act? Perfect. And so we <laughs> You didn't ask her what kind of writing credits you were going to get? <laughs> I assume she was probably going to get 70, I get 30, you know, given that she was helping me. Or, yeah. <laughs> but uh, she... Um, so we went back in the, like a back room. And uh, I love my sister. There's much forgiveness. But mm-hmm. she uh, she like stripped me naked. <laughs> and then like shoved me out in front of my cousins and everybody burst into laughter. Oh my God. And I like burst into tears and then like ran up the stairs naked and found my mom uh, at the kitchen table, like talking to my aunt. And I like <laughs> naked five year old ran up to my mom and like hugged her like weeping because I had just had this oh traumatic. Oh my God. Yeah. But <laughs> the, uh, this, this long way of answering the vulnerability question, like I, I feel like and I've gotten s- naked on stage subsequently mm-hmm. and and have used nudity as a way to get laughs before, so there's sometimes where I think about like well the idea of vulnerability in terms of just like actually being naked and bare mm-hmm. probably there's some wire that's a little crossed <laughs> 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 that uh yeah, that um I don't know that uh, somehow so do you think that that?
0: made a positive impression on you, or it's uh, um, you decided that there was that there was power in that, that instead of you being the exploitee, you could exploit it.
1: Right. Exactly. I think it was the idea that it was like, um, I own this. This is my uh, embarrassment that Mm -hmm. I controlled, or you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you might be laughing this time but it's because I want you to laugh and I'm like making it permissible to laugh in this moment and I'm like uh, you know it's basically yeah claiming back some Mm -hmm. authorship to my own nudity
0: (laughs) (laughs) which uh, is interesting because um, and I'm not saying what you experienced was you know what uh, a sexual assault survivor uh, experiences but what often happens is uh, they become uh, extremely promiscuous as a way of trying to mm. um, take back control, get mm-hmm. a, a feeling that their sexuality is is theirs. Um, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny when I said, uh, when I ran up to my mom and I had just experienced a trauma, I thought, well that's trauma with a very lowercase T make yes. <laughs> sure yes. of that like yes, <laughs> my, yes. My trauma is yeah. not equal yeah. to others yeah. In this area. yeah
0: and I didn't want to put words in your mouth because maybe it was an incredibly traumatic uh event for you you were you were crying and you were naked and yeah. to a five-year-old you know that is um yeah. incredibly uh in intense but yeah. um let's go back to your to your uh childhood mm-hmm. let's You were uh, raised Catholic in Iowa. Um, Your mom was a teacher at a school that you uh, attended. Yep. And your dad owned a a Western goods store. Yeah. And uh, give us like some snapshots from uh, your life that kind of paint an emotional picture for better or for worse Mm. of how you viewed yourself, the world, how you fit in it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, you know, I was uh, the town I grew up in was like ten thousand people, mm-hmm. and um, I remember hearing, uh, watching this really terrific uh, Fran Lebowitz documentary that Martin Scorsese made on HBO, mm-hmm. Public Speaking, and she uh, shares this idea of like the reason because she grew up in a small town, and she was like, the reason you move out of a small town is because you could be walking down the street, and somebody sees you, and then they go and they tell somebody else, like, "Guess who I saw walking down the street today?" It's just like <laughs> you don't even care that they're sharing it. It's just, right. it's just weird that that's like the sort of the um, I don't know. It's almost like currency, <laughs> <laughs> like it's trading like uh, who knows who. And it's interesting because that type of community actually sounds really great, you know. But for me, I think it felt. Um, like stifling or there was some uh, you know there was some conservativism definitely where I grew up I mean I dated somebody whose uh, father was a a political op Mm -hmm. and when I told him I was from northwest Iowa he was like oh that is like the reddest of the red like that's known amongst all of us like Mm -hmm. and uh, because it has a lot of um, Christian reform Dutch reform Mm -hmm. communities and stuff so it's just a it's very, uh, strongly GOP. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way I felt like that sort of shaped, um, I don't know it, if I felt like I had edges to my personality, mm-hmm. um, instead of sanding them down, it's sort of like maybe in a hostile way, sort of sharpen them mm-hmm. <laughs> just to kind of be like, a, you know, uh, F you, you can't, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Whatever kids experience, like, and I think you know, and I had.
0: Can you be, can you be more specific? Um,
1: I you know, I guess it was like um, my friends like we'd break out at night and we'd if there was like um pro uh life signs on on somebody's front yard, uh, we would take markers and we'd scratch out pro life and write anti woman, like there was something that like. I liked about... That's a more, like, hostile, angry version of that. Mm -hmm. The other version would just be... um, uh, You know, I... I, The people on uh, SCTV talk about how the reason they're, they they got into comedy is because, and they're from Canada, is because Canada is one great straight man. <laughs> <laughs> and I think growing up in a and you mean a comedic straight man yes, as opposed to a yeah uh, sorry yes a, yes. yes a comedic straight man yeah. who will always be like a dependable force of authority. And later on, I think that was my experience. You know, it was fairly restrictive and small townish, uh, and I felt loved definitely, but like when you have such a delicious straight man there in front of you, it's like the most fun thing in the world to, I don't know, put on white masks and go into a Walmart late at night and like creep around. And just oh. I mean, it was just like the stuff that adolescents do where they think they're freaking out the squares. But right. really, it's just the...
0: So like, even then, you could sense that there was a, um, a kind of uh, conformity there that that you wanted to rebel against? Was it, was it because the conformity itself was, uh, ideologically opposed to what you felt or was it just the closest target for you to express yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me it was like, if I made it the target, it was always about, um, or, or if I did have antagonistic feelings, at the same time i wanted people to like me mm-hmm. and so there was something about a, a joke or goofing around was you sort of got this like double hit of uh the first hit is like i'm being anti-authoritarian like i don't like my restrictive community i'm going to like goof off and then if it got a laugh then it was like and see, I can't even get in trouble because you right. laughed, and right. I brought you joy. Yeah. That, you can't deny that, and so then I would get a second hit of just like and they like me, so yeah. it's all mixed up, yes. and yeah,
0: so it was a form of expression, it was a way to get attention, it was a way to get a sense of yourself right. um and it was a way to speak out uh about what you thought a way to be heard,
1: yeah, and I think what the the fact that it could be um. Right away to get affection or attention, like, um, or get
0: out of something.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of, uh, I, when I was growing up, I wasn't, wasn't conscious of why necessarily, but I loved, uh, and I rewatched all the time, uh, Edward Scissorhands. And I think I like the idea that, um, it's a, like a straight laced community where a weirdo comes in and the weirdo isn't uh thrown out. he's actually celebrated and yeah. and it's it's sort of a, a utopia yes. <laughs> for if you don't feel like you fit in or whatever, yeah. but at the same time you know i my parents uh really uh were, have always been so supportive in terms of my being a goofball i guess mm-hmm. too as I grew up. It's an interesting... I mean, I've thought about it like a lot of people in my peer group have parents who... There was no classic sort of jazz singer. No son of mine is going to go into the, the entertainment field. Like, I don't know if by that time it'd become legitimized as a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but like... Uh, or I don't know if it's a baby boomer mentality of sort of raising uh, your kid to pursue what they find, what their passion is, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But for whatever reason, I I always felt like very loved and supported by my parents and uh, not just in career, but, uh, you know, I think they were definitely the of the post Dr. Spock age Mm -hmm. and knew what they were doing to some extent.
0: Yeah and share for the listeners if you would um who Dr. Spock is obviously not the the Star Trek one but Dr. <laughs> Benjamin Spock who yeah. who was uh a big 60s parenting guru but share if you would kind of uh some of his theories on Well,
1: it. I don't even know if they read the book maybe it it was more maybe enough people they knew had read it and it sort of seemed yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but it, <clears throat> even if I mean sort of a um Like, I remember actively my parents saying to me, we have had a conversation and we don't want to ever spank you kids. Mm. And so it was like sort of a, and I think that came, as they told me, it was like, because when we were kids, we didn't like that. And so it did feel like some sort of like uh, passing the baton generationally of like parenting that I was just, you know, getting the... The benefits of. Um, I imagine, though, there
0: were consequences when you would, you know, misbehave or break rules, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with being as much as uh, goofing off and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with not wanting to break rules. Mm -hmm. And so I never put them in a position where they would have to punish me. And I Mm -hmm. think that's part of the um, I was raised Catholic. I think that's part of the Catholic's delight. Is yes. sort of like how close can you get to the occasion of sin and yes. do it or not do it? Yes. And like how you yeah. told yourself that you got into it, you know. It's it's uh
0: But at the end of the day you're ster- still a terrible person deep inside <laughs> who's going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but still just uh, play it safe, don't eat meat on Friday. <laughs> just uh, get the uh, fillet uh, of fish at McDonald's. Fish. It's right there, it's just down the street. Oh my god. It's uh what an interesting dichotomy that uh at home it was you didn't want to break any rules but then getting outside of it there was kind of this desire to do the the opposite. Mm-hmm. Do you think they were related in some way that mm-hmm. there was something you wanted to get out but you didn't want to uh disappoint your parents or pay the price or what
1: Yeah, what I mean it? I I think I know I was just I was a very uh anxious little boy, and uh I was always um worried about was I um what would happen if my friends felt like I didn't like them, and so I set up like a schedule so that like on Mondays I would go to one friend's house on Tuesdays and Wednesdays I'd go to this friend's house and on Thursdays I'd go to this house wow. because I was worried like what if they start hating me because I'm hanging out with other people so there was a lot of like anxiety about I don't want to hurt any feelings. I don't mm-hmm. want to break any rules. Uh, that, like, w- w- was always there. So, yeah, I wonder if the, like, acting up is the, like, um, the cool release. Yeah. Of, of like, and it, probably that's what's nice, because on stage or whatever, it's um, it's a, a proof proof um, it's approved it's yes. okay to do on stage and so there was something that i'm sure was attractive there that was yeah. like this is a, a safe place to
0: <laughs> i heard somebody describe comedy one time as uh socially acceptable hostility
1: <laughs> and i
0: really really like yeah, that because yeah. it, it there were th- are things that i have said on stage that i have wanted to say to people off stage but i can't yeah um or choose not to
1: yeah yeah
0: uh, um Talk about the anxiety and and the feeling, the need to take care of people's feelings. Where what are your earliest memories of uh, sensing the emotional fragility in other people and wanting to do something about it?
1: I mean, I know specifically, like with friends. Since I was just talking about them, like I, I remember, uh, like in first grade, once I I went with a friend to a high school football game and. One of my other friends was a water boy, and uh, and he was like, uh, hey, Paul, do you want to be a water boy tonight? I was like, you mean stand on the sidelines and get everybody's attention in the stadium that I yeah. Like, yeah, look cool? Be close to the action. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right. It was a very cool gig. So I was like, of course, and I ran, and I did it. And then the game ended, and then the friend who I came with was like, I don't want you to spend the night at my house anymore. And I was like, what? Why? It was like, you just ran off to be the water boy. And and then it was like one of those moments where it wasn't like, oh, I feel caught because I'm guilty and I got caught. It was like uh, the worst, more worse kind of caught of like, it didn't even dawn on me that I yes. was hurtful. And it was so scary and traumatic. Trem- <laughs> like, it was yes. like, and I went home that night and I didn't get to spend the night at his house and I cried all night and I thought... Okay, because it was first grade. I was Mm -hmm. like, from this point forward, make sure that shit doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, like anything, it goes way further in the extreme than it ever needed to be. But, you know, that's one example of like one of those times where you go like, oh, I have the capacity to be thoughtless and hurtful, and I don't like that. Do
0: do you feel like um, a message was implanted in your brain then that I am inherently a not nice person and so I need to uh, be vigilant Mm. as opposed to just that's not something a first grader considers and I should forgive myself right yeah because I mean what first grader wouldn't first graders just we're just not aware, you know, I, yeah. I can't imagine a first grader going, well, that wouldn't really be fair to my friend who's here
1: in yeah, stands. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I hope the friend who made me feel bad is in therapy and talking about how yeah. it's like, well, "What was that possessiveness that I couldn't let somebody be a water boy? And right. I, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the hope. Uh but no, you were saying sort of like uh, have the ability to let myself off the hook, or, or... do you
0: feel like a, a, a negative self belief about yourself uh, kind of took hold uh, in that at that time that I am inherently thoughtless and I need to be vigilant from here on out, as opposed to I just made an honest little kid mistake.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think it comes down to like, uh, you know, I've been in, um, I think, uh, seven or eight years of therapy now, and mm-hmm. uh, the big sort of thing that I could take away from just like what you are saying, like, oh, did I recognize in me a person who who is mean and thoughtless, and mm-hmm. and I have to shove it aside. I I think maybe why. You know, because I think what you're suggesting is it wouldn't have to be that way. You could, you know, look at it another way. But I think, and this therapy sort of helped me understand this about Catholicism and, you know, I'm not ragging on it. But there was some sort of thing of, um, if you felt something, it was almost, it was the same as if you had done it. Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea that I, if I had feelings of hostility or anger, then I did think like I did do it and I am that person. There's something w- it, like the extremi- extremity of how, uh, uh, you know, if you think, uh, a, a sexual thought and then you're like, Oh, I'm a pervert. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the best way to like grow up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. That is an <laughs> understatement. <laughs>
1: um, so I think, Yeah, I maybe did think wrongly that like, oh, I'm a I'm a person who has who likes to do this or is this and I have Mm -hmm. to bury this uh, Mm -hmm. because for some reason I I was led to believe if I feel something or desire something, it's the same as having done it or or
0: the thought pops into my head. So so it sounds like there there definitely were ingrained beliefs in you that you need to be vigilant Um, because there was a uh, defectiveness within you, Mm -hmm. uh, however small, um, that you can't let other people see, because it would either hurt them or shame you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because when you're a kid, you you're constantly seeing examples of cruelty in front of you, and your response to it, and like I, you know, this happens probably. I I witnessed it like two or three times growing mm-hmm. up. But where you're standing with a group of people, and uh, somebody would go, "Oh my gosh, your breath stinks!" to somebody in front of mm-hmm. a group of people, and my immediate thing would be, I I just want to disappear from this moment. I wish this person didn't see that this was happening. Um, uh, and then also the thought of like that person who said that, how are they, how are we? completely different people that the thing I would be like, so scared of ever accidentally saying to saying, somebody, yeah, yeah, this person was like freely. And I'm not you know, yeah. saying they're a bad person. I'm just saying like, there's it's a freedom there. Yeah. yeah. It's inconceivable to <laughs> yeah. me that somebody would, right. Would be that way. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that sort of, um, I don't know if this is necessarily what we were talking about, but the connection to like, I had a coworker who a, a writer and we laugh about it now but she was on set and she uh slipped and fell. Mm-hmm. And she always goes, "You guys remember the time I slipped and fell and Paul ran away?" <laughs> and it was because like when I see somebody slip and fall, I project myself into them and think, I wouldn't want anybody to see this. And mm-hmm. anytime I get attention after I make a mistake, if somebody, like I trip and somebody mm-hmm. goes, are you okay? I hate it. I hate yeah. like that attention. And so I just assumed this person who just fell <laughs> yeah. wouldn't want to be consoled at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like, you okay? Okay. And I just walked away. <laughs> did it help her up. <laughs> like It was a, a moment for me to reflect. On, uh, it's, yeah. it, it's
0: so ironic that you feel other people's embarrassment so deeply that you abandon them yeah, in that moment, I know. You know, which is kind of crazy. It's like somebody's on fire, and you're like, "Oh man, you look. Your face looks really ugly right now. Yeah, Because yeah. you're in pain. <laughs> somebody else is going to have to put you out.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, like the. Um, it's also the thing of like when somebody. Uh, I hate this about myself. Of like somebody tells, this is another example of a, a time that like your idea of sensitivity. About yourself isn't necessarily my idea of sensitivity, isn't right about myself. Where, like, somebody would say a racist joke, mm-hmm. and to rather hurt their feelings of be, me not laughing, mm-hmm. I'll fake laugh at the joke so they can feel comfortable. Right. What a weird. Like... <laughs> I
0: understand it. I understand it. You know, I will uh, oftentimes just look away um mm. because i don't i can't um i'm afraid to confront somebody i mean if it was really horrible and over the top sure, i'm yeah. sure i would yeah. but when it's something that's just kind of mildly offensive yeah. um and honestly i think you know I, i'm not here to instruct people on how to live right. if 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 they're hurting somebody else right and you know Right in front of us, that's right. a different thing yeah, yeah. Or, or they're crossing my boundaries but right. I get I get that yeah, I totally yeah, yeah. get that. I'm so I, I've shared this on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. uh, they were installing uh, wood floors in our house years ago and I caught one of the workmen stealing our CDs mm. and I pretended I didn't see him. He saw me see him, wow. and I pretended I didn't yeah. see him because I didn't want to embarrass him. <laughs> How fucked up is that? Yeah,
1: but I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: That makes me feel better because <laughs> I hated myself after that. Yeah. And I
1: shamed myself instead of yeah. the
0: guy who should feel some degree of shame you know, that, know, that, yeah. that he's doing that.
1: I guess I wonder if... Yeah, for me in that situation, like, why wouldn't I do that? I Like, for me, I wonder if it's like a... I would fear that, um, you know, I, I present uh, myself or whatever uh, as a nice person. Mm-hmm. And so I've been told, like, hey, when you get mad, um, that's okay. Just know it's a little extra scary 'Cause we don't see you mad. Yeah. And also it kind of feels like maybe it's mad that's been like built Building up. Building yes. <laughs> so up just scary. know when you get mad, that's what the vibe oh, is. Oh dude, nice yeah.
0: nice person mad <laughs> is a little postal. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a it's a potent uh yes. elixir. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I'll uh you know, definitely um like so, in those moments, like with the, if I saw somebody suing something, I wonder if my conf, uh, conflict avoidance or to avoid mm-hmm. a confrontation is because my fear of like it's going to tap a well, a wellspring of yes. rage that this person doesn't de- yes. deserve or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, what it if is, I but. open this, I won't be able to close it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: He'll be pulling me off this guy. This monster hasn't eaten in a while. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's interesting because that's what you often find with serial killers, uh, is that they are people who do not advocate for themselves. They oftentimes live with somebody uh, who, you know, is belittling them. They feel that they have almost no voice in their daily lives. And, um, And rather than speak up for themselves and... Appropriate ways. Right. That's how they let their yeah. their anger yeah. their anger out. Um, so what I'm saying is, you're a silver, serial killer. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you and where I had the it's bodies. official. It's yeah. official now.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's not right. How many ways I identify with serial killers? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. There are so m- except for the killing of people. <laughs> that's really the only part that that we don't share. Yeah. Um, but there's so much of it that I.
1: If you had uh like. Uh, put your heart and soul into this podcast, you would be... Look out. <laughs> the five would be riddled with bodies. <laughs> I was just going to say there would be a lot
0: less traffic. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about the anxiety. Uh, one of the things you share... Uh, openly is uh, your battles with OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about uh, anxiety and OCD at the at the same time? because yeah, I feel like I they're, they're they're linked. They're kin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When do you remember that uh, presenting itself?
1: Um, I think it was like third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, it it started just with like um, really enjoying sort of uh, setting up toys nicely on a shelf hmm <laughs> and and it's funny it's like all things where you are all sort of um addictions or whatever that the first time you do it it's the best feeling in the world it's
0: a high that will never come back yeah 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 to that degree right and yes. for the rest
1: of your life you're chasing this ocd high of mm-hmm. like remember when it was so good <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't ever you know you're chasing it but like so i remember that scratching an itch as a kid that felt mm-hmm. pleasurable and then with uh i guess like high school it started a more junior high high school was like uh really enjoying making lists and uh crossing out things on the list but to the point that the crossing out had to be precise mm-hmm. so i would get like a ruler and when i was crossing out the thing that was its odo cd thing i was making i was like let's get another level of <laughs> it <laughs> and when it, there was like a square next to it and i put a perfect x through the square like there was something yeah. really satisfying about yeah. it and i know that still rears its head mm-hmm. um to some extent with my um inbox in my email inbox mm-hmm. like the watching it go down as mm-hmm. i like Reply to emails or something really satisfying about that still um what would happen if
0: you were checking off the box and it wasn't precise the the check in it the the slash through it what would you would you start the whole thing
1: over would it would it be upsetting to you i I know i used um uh which was probably some perfectionist wet dream the erasable pen (laughs) (laughs) some like-minded human soul like made this for other people but like yeah erasing that but if something similar happened like i couldn't like um let's say somebody didn't know why that was meaningful to me And they saw that I did X's, and they were like, okay, we've got that done and X it off, and they didn't do it right. That was, like, such a battle because you want to flip out, but you know if you flip out, that's a weird thing to flip out about. Weird thing to flip out about, yeah. So then it's, like, pushing down the, you know, so there there was no healthy, like... But, you know, to my uh, parents' credit, you know, I told them, I was like, hey, I'm having... It was also, oh, it was really manifesting itself in the sign of the cross that like when I was mm-hmm. in bed and I would pray, um, I had to like perfectly do the sign of the cross where it wouldn't like bump into a sheet or like it mm-hmm. had to be clean and I had to say every word. And, uh, even after I reached a point where, uh, I wouldn't say I don't believe in God. It was just like, I reached a point where I was like, I don't know. I, uh, still prayed be out of this, like. I think I need to do you know it was like some weird ritual um but you know I uh I remember I told my parents and they actually took me to this place called Catholic Charities which is this uh I think one of the biggest like charitable organizations mm-hmm. I'm saying this because I've as a, a my sliver of a way to be positive about I feel like yes. I've been ragging on it uh, does a lot of good things for people uh, I I imagine uh but yeah and then uh, I guess high school into college what, I started what, what
0: became of you going to the Catholic charities
1: Oh um I told them just like sort of my what I was doing and they're like oh this is OCD let's put you on a um actually put me on a like an antidepressant mm-hmm. um which I think I maybe mentioned was the um the one that uh they found the Columbine the two Columbine boys mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. bloodstream they were like what were these kids high on I was like oh Luvox, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> uh, and I don't think it affected anybody. But I've talked to other people who took Luvox as a kid, in, or in high school, for OCD, mm-hmm. and every one of them, the story is, oh, I slept through most of my high school years. Like mm. I was just always like so drowsy and conked out, and and uh, I wonder if that's partly you know, the way to subdue an anxious person. It's just like, just go to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't hurt there.
0: <laughs> uh, did, did it
1: make you drowsy? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it yeah. did, did it,
0: I assume it helped with the OCD.
1: It did. It, it sort of, um, I took it for probably like two or three years, two years. And then maybe like after my freshman year of college, I, I quit taking it. And uh, um, it's funny uh, not to to body on this Mm -hmm. podcast but like you know like uh medication has certain side effects sexual side effects and so when i was losing my virginity i was on this medication and uh i couldn't close the deal yes (laughs) despite this being the first time and i think after like an hour the woman the the very thoughtful (laughs) person who was with me Mm -hmm. very sensitive person i remember going um just think about what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did it did it finish and then and then it's so funny, which is you know usually the opposite of experience of that most people tell yeah but they're like they're like oh boy, I didn't you know, it was out of the gate before I knew it. Uh, the uh, when I got off the medication and when you're a sophomore in college, and now for the first time, you're like, oh wait, this is oh." <laughs> Damn! I should have had this figured out. That's what high school was supposed to be for.
0: <laughs> when I lost my virginity, it, I was uh, I was a senior in high school, and Ooh. so and what's that? Two years of uh, you know I, I puberty hit late. I was fifteen. I was a sophomore, mm-hmm. so that's two years of you know masturbating, mm-hmm. imagining what it will be like <laughs> to be with a girl, and. Uh, when we had sex I had a condom on mm-hmm. and so there's less sensitivity. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And yeah. so it took longer than two minutes. And so at like the two minute mark, I thought, Oh my God, I'm gay <laughs>
1: Despite because, all previous history aside of thinking about yes. girls being aroused by women, yes, not until the actual sex, stealing act. stealing
0: Playboy magazines from drugstores <laughs> and and uh, haircut places, yeah, yeah, that was that was the panic. Was this is taking me more than the usual two minutes?
1: I, I must be gay, to, and I empathize with that. That speaks to the just the fragile, frail uh, heterosexual, like like the idea that you could be easily tipped into or convinced right. is like right. the most ludicrous, like, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah.
0: So, um, talk some more about the about the OCD. When you went off it as a freshman in college, did the OCD come roaring back?
1: No, I think um, during the two years that I was on, it really did... I think it did the... I quit doing the sort of OCD tricks, mm. and I think... Being able to see the very clear sign of, hey, senior, um, uh, that uh, senior year of high school and freshman year of college was really stressful uh, and high pressure, and you didn't have the OCD tricks to lie on, and it, it didn't make things worse, it actually made things better, you had more time when I got off it, it was easy to hold on to that memory. I think, mm-hmm. like, maybe it would have been different if it, it was sort of, like, a feeling that's harder, like, if it was, like, depression. or, mm-hmm. But, like, the ability to kind of go, like, oh, those little tricks I do, they don't... Actually, there's no real result in them right. uh, that helped. And, you know, that's not to say... And if anything, then it kind of entered a new stage of kind of like where you're like, oh, do I not want to do this? And it's healthy because this is my non-OCD part of myself telling me like, hey, you don't have to get this done right now or you don't have to be obsessed about why this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, Or am i just like being lazy and it's easy right. know, like <laughs> it's a difficult thing to, to parse out sometimes yeah. but
0: those are the worst arguments in your head is am i good or am i bad
1: yeah Do you know what i mean yeah. it's so
0: and black and white thinking is so it's so toxic mm-hmm. uh to our beings and yet it's i think when we're struggling, that's. The default place Uh, for us to go is to – I'm either a winner or I'm a loser. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm the king or I'm a peasant.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 That's going to be the way to.
0: Talk about what made you decide to reach out uh, for for help. And and are there any seminal moments we're missing in college, um, et cetera?
1: Um, No. I mean, I I, – the the choice to do it initially like to get on the medication in high school is that what you're saying um
0: or no uh, you know uh, going back you're a freshman now in college uh, you've gone off uh mm -hmm. the the medication and there's an intellectual uh sense knowledge in your brain Mm -hmm. that uh oh those tricks that i was using uh weren't helping anyway Mm -hmm. um i can kind of navigate this off of the the -hmm. medicine Mm -hmm. um what what is the next, kind of piece in the arc of your emotional?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think then it was like about. Um, I mean, I think it is. It was always a battle with uh, anxious thinking and the confusion of when is it beneficial quote unquote Mm -hmm. and when is it uh, a detriment and I think like that along with some sort of like I just know kind of like built in um, capacity for melancholy Mm -hmm. and I there's a I'm sure I'm projecting this over a wide swath of people but there's something about a small town or the Midwest that just automatically kind of just arises in me a feeling of melancholy. And I think I just Especially kind
0: Especially of, in the fall.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah when mm-hmm. things are changing. And, and so I think from that point forward, it's been, like, about uh, wrestling with those two feelings, which are, like... Uh, seem opposite of each other you know like mm-hmm. anxiety and and sort of like eeyore-ish mm-hmm. Eeyore-esque melancholy but i think there's probably some some connection there of like i uh, think they're deeply related yeah. I,
0: I, it's it's so rare that you meet an anxious person who uh, also doesn't get depressed or a depressed person who doesn't have an anxiety buried underneath it um, yeah because it's it's often hard to know if you are an anxious person or not, if you're not the type of person whose knee is bouncing up and down right. or has to smoke nine cigarettes in right. an hour. Yeah. Um, it's, it. I think a spinning brain mm-hmm. can often be uh, the thing that the anxious person has that they, they don't see it as anxiety because they don't, their hands aren't shaking, right. but they don't understand what a quiet brain feels like because they've never experienced a quiet brain and mm-hmm. and until you experience a quiet brain you can't look back and go oh my god I was so anxious
1: yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah that's true <laughs> well said uh but yeah I, you know I think it was like um you know and now I'm uh like I said I I I've been going to a therapist for uh for quite a while now the same therapist and it's been really uh, I mean I, I guess I initially started going to one uh, out of a, uh, I think of you know I do think it was kind of coming around the time that I was letting go of this idea of believing in God and I think that made me depressed or sort of like mm-hmm. made me feel like I needed to find some meaning so I was like why don't I just go up my own ass? <laughs> <laughs> For hours at a time during the week. <laughs> that's the that's the way to yes.
0: solve it. The way out is just to think about myself more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you had any uh, epiphanies in in therapy that have uh or breakthroughs that have helped you?
1: Uh yeah. I mean I initially that one of the Oh, the fear of feeling something being that as if I had actually done it mm-hmm. and and making sense of that in my mind of like, or just because I'm angry right now, it, that's not a feeling that I have to figure out a way to diffuse immediately. I mm-hmm. can like, you know, feel it without, and not that I had the problem of acting on it, it was almost right. like feeling it with, and that's almost preferable. Like sometimes I'm like, I wish I my problem was that I acted on it because all I'd have to do, like, it's a two-step thing of, like, not acting on it then not feeling shitty that you did not and blah, 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 you yeah. right. um, So that was one... Um, I mean, I know that, like, I, uh... The... Big one, I guess, you know, that is probably true of anybody's is just the, the thought of, um... Like... I don't want to say this. That, like the pain i carry around about um a, a a person in my life um or or more specifically i'm uh, i'm at the gas station and somebody gives me a hard time and uh i like Oh, gosh, I'm not saying this very well, Paul. That's all right. We've got time. I'm going I'm to grab a bottle of water while you're collecting your thoughts. Do you need another bottle? No, I'm good. I'm good.
0: Um, I, um, I have edited out 15 and 20 second pauses in this podcast oh. where I either forgot where I was going or I can't find the words to say <laughs> what it is that I want to say. So do not uh, do not apologize. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, no I think it's about like recognizing the how an emotional experience might be the real thing that colored a situation not necessarily that wasn't a reality and so hangups I might have about other people in my life if I felt um, let's say abandoned or something Mm -hmm. that could very well be that person did abandon or whatever that Mm -hmm. they, but the looking more at like, what was my uh, emotional experience during this that made me feel abandoned Mm -hmm. and, and looking at that more than looking at, you know, and then just, I guess, basically the, the realization of like, oh, Everybody wants to be a good person when they're not it's usually like it, because something else is on their mind like mm-hmm. something else is on your mind dude yes, yeah, sometimes yeah, the yeah. world
0: isn't thinking about me yeah, and yeah. judging me
1: or you know yeah. whatever they're just not even considering cuz they're
0: wrapped up in their own bullshit
1: <laughs> I wish on, on the back of every birth certificate it said like no one else is thinking about you as much as you are. <laughs> like, I, If everybody just knew that, like going in, I think it'd be a lot easier. And yeah. then
0: in an asterisk, it says, "Yes, this even
1: includes your parents." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so here's one of those uh, one of those pauses. Um, it's interesting, as you mentioned that process, it sounds like you were identifying uh, uh, patterns of perception that you have had in your life, and then you're going back and you're relooking at things and saying, oh, okay, so there's kind of been a prism that I've been filtering uh, reality through, mm. and um, this is this new information uh, can kind of give me a more accurate picture of what reality might be. Mm. Um, Is that fair to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's interesting because that is in support groups, uh, particularly 12-step support groups, Mm. that is the model uh, that people use to uh, heal and become uh, more functioning in their daily lives and to decrease the anxiety and the Mm. fear and the anger and all this stuff that makes people want to engage in addictive uh, behaviors.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the uh, um, power of... uh... Group therapy, you know, I, uh, um, they meant a lot to me in terms of that, like the stuff that we're sort of talking about, which is like, what feelings can you control and what, which ones did you create? None, (laughs) like all that, all that good stuff. But yeah, I, uh, um, yeah, whether it's, I mean, for me, like the, if it's individual therapy or group therapy or, or a 12 step, um, or a religion I generally have the, like, attitude of, like, um, hey, if it's making this fucking hard existence, like, easy for you, then by, you God know. God bless. Yeah. And you're not
0: hurting anybody. Exactly. You're using it as a battering ram. Right. Against other people. Yeah. Fuck yeah.
1: I know. I'll think about that when, um you know, when a group of people go to a movie. And they walk out of the movie and half the people liked it and half the people didn't. Mm-hmm. And then the people who who didn't like it try to convince the people who liked it that they shouldn't have, you know? but it's always like, why do you want to rob this? Joy is so hard to come by. We just found why? it for two hours. Why do you want to deprive why, this? Why like, yeah. do you want to fuck it up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let them like Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so where would you say um, – you know what's something I want to kind of circle back around to Ooh. is the melancholy. Um particularly the small town melancholy because I experience that when I go home. Mm-hmm. Um although my home my hometown is not as small as yours, mm-hmm. but there is a deep sadness mm-hmm. when I drive through um and, that I can't quite and, and also college when mm-hmm. I uh, drive through mm-hmm. the campus and I can't put my finger on what it is. What what do you think yeah what do you think yours might be uh about
1: I mean, I first just try to go like, Is it just me? am I just was I when I lived here and when I went to college, was I a melancholy person so when I come back, it's gonna be imbued with these feelings, and mm-hmm. if maybe I wasn't uh, i w- was it a frat <laughs> and I came back <laughs> to my college, I'd be like, I love it, you know right. <laughs> there is no melancholy whatsoever <laughs> uh but you know, putting that aside, I don't know if it's just like, um, and this is where you get into really big, gross generalizations, but like, I think for me, there there is a um, an ability to, to talk to anybody, whoever you want. Like, it's beautiful. You're in a community where you could really strike up a conversation with anybody, and you can talk about everything except your feelings. And I think Mm -hmm. like when you're so connected and seeing people and having friendships and bonds with people, but you're not, it's, it's a little bit of a mask. Mm -hmm. I think that starts to like create a tone of melancholy of just like people feeling a little like, I'm not being fully expressing myself or, but whatever. I could be, or
0: or being fully seen. Um, I, I think for, for me, there's, there's an element, um, to that. And I think the other thing uh, is that there can be, when you go back to a small town, is a sense of so many um, lives that feel unfulfilled to the people in them because they either couldn't imagine a life outside of that town or they were afraid Mm -hmm. um, to pursue what they really wanted to. And it had to be pursued outside of that town, and that could just be me putting my own thing on well, that.
1: But uh, no, I know what you mean, and like it, it's interesting because yeah, I'm sure there's those people, and then I sometimes like I'll um I'll get uh, frustrated that I was born with this itch in my brain that I had to be in entertainment to be happy mm-hmm. and i was like oh, sometimes i just i wish i didn't even have that desire so that i was having to like deal with it like and not to make it seem like um you know any i take my own troubles over anybody else but like mm-hmm. like it is like that thing of like Maybe if somebody was born in the town and they had no desire to leave it and they're like, this town's awesome. It's like, yeah. oh, that'd be such a relief. It <laughs> like, would be.
0: <laughs> you didn't have to sign up for open mic nights <laughs> yeah. and, and care about
1: <laughs> getting your SAG card. And yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So I don't know. Yeah. There's, I, I definitely, you encounter some of that for sure. And I, uh, but I think, yeah, there's also, I don't know. I It's weird. I wonder how many... Uh, does everybody on their own way feel like a, a Willy Loman? You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, the movie that that really captures that feeling for me is Rushmore, when mm-hmm. uh, the leaves are in the pool. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's just something about that movie that, yeah. that feels so... I guess it's the disconnection between him and his Bill Murray and his kids yeah. and there's a longing for somebody else everybody's right. longing for yeah. something that they can't get yeah and yet there's all of this privilege yeah around them
1: right 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 um, yeah that, that
0: and Wes Anderson is so good at just creating a, f- a feeling a yeah. space that has yeah. you know emotional feeling you know yeah
1: sure it can get a little precious sometimes <laughs> but I love people who can create atmosphere yeah oh, no doubt yeah and that moment of uh, yeah when he's uh, jumps over the fence to uh, give the gift to his mom and his mom's grave and the Rolling Stones song is playing it's uh, yeah. definitely it's like a a very distinct mood yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. um. So where where do you feel like the the OCD the anxiety and the melancholy is is at today and are there any kind of tools that that you use other than identifying patterns of thinking and negative mm-hmm. self-beliefs that you have um uh, to to help you get through your your day
1: Yeah I mean I uh I think it is like I mean, I guess at the minimum, it's that, like, I'm like, well, I guess um, I'm here to uh, to love and to be loved. And uh, that's a very broad way of, like, but I guess that's the thing that kind of, like, if I feel sad or something's not, I don't feel grounded or something. Mm -hmm. I I think it's like when I'm losing grip of that. And so uh, that's not like really anything, I guess you could like, it's not a a life hack (laughs) or anything, but like, it's the thing that like grounds me now day to day. And I couldn't
0: agree more. I mean, that's honestly the thing that goes through my mind every day is it, it is about the pursuit of meaning and purpose in my life Mm -hmm. and love brings meaning and purpose and connection yeah. to me and it takes away the feeling of I'm not enough that I'm disconnected that nobody cares right. you know etc etc yeah. so i i totally get that and it really is about love and connection
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's great because it is it's it's the only thing that makes sense like just anything else it's like uh you could drive yourself crazy but like that's a that's a true fact and it's like something where um it's always gonna feel good you know like it's a weird thing to not like to i mean uh, i myself and so many others you go through everything possible to like avoid the feeling of love
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and then i think once you see the the uh Benefits of living with an attitude like that, then the little micro journey begins of what is healthy love look like mm-hmm. where what, what do boundaries look like right? When am I being too needy or unrealistic about other people, yeah or myself mm-hmm. or you know letting the workmen steal my CDs <laughs> you know that's not really a healthy yeah. form of love <laughs> yeah, you know right, that right. wasn't loving uh, to, to that
1: guy yeah. because he
0: should have experienced consequences yeah. wasn't yeah. loving to myself <laughs> yeah, you know that's
1: right yeah you know? yeah
0: and uh yeah. that's that's the the uh that's the little sub trip um that is yeah. the most challenging cuz it's so filled with nuance yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and uh Nuance is a tough thing to wrestle with. I mean it's like the unknown or whatever like mm-hmm. i any time I get a little hiccup of anxiety in my chest, I always know it's because I'm anticipating something. It'll even happen when I sit in a theater in the first like three minutes of a movie. I'll get that little, like, hiccup of it, like, anticipatory, like, anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's purely just, like, am I going to enjoy the next two hours? <laughs>
0: like... <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, do you want to wrap it up with uh, some some fears and some sure. loves? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to kick it off with some fears?
1: Sure. Uh... Ooh. Um... I have a fear of that uh uh I'm I'm about to have a kid in uh less than 2 months. Congratulations thank in advance. You, thank you. Yeah. And uh I'm afraid uh I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> I, I would
0: be afraid if you weren't afraid.
1: Oh, okay, that. that's good.
0: Yes. <laughs> I would be afraid of any parent who isn't anxious about their first child coming.
1: <laughs> if I was already putting, like, a gold medal around my neck. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I think I got this
1: covered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I am afraid that this hurricane is... Just a taste of what is to come from climate change and that we've underestimated the rate at which um, weather is going to become more extreme, that it's going to exponentiate faster than Mm -hmm. we anticipated. And I'll be an old person and resources (laughs) Mm -hmm. resources will be so thin You know, when I'm in my 80s or 90s, assuming I live that long, that I will look around me and think, oh, my God, I was wrong. Life really isn't beautiful. I was just fooled. It's a shit show.
1: And I'm fucked. (laughs) 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 I know. I was thinking today, I was like, man, there were three debates uh, for the election And not once was climate change even uttered. And I'm like, in 10 years, 12 years, we're gonna look back on that and be like, that is so embarrassing. So embarrassing.
0: Future generations are going to watch the debates of 2016 and say, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) To me, it would be like, uh, you know, a talk show in Germany in 1933 and nobody's talking about Hitler.
1: (laughs) You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whew. um, all right. Uh, I'm afraid that I, uh, will one day be afraid of new things and I'll, uh, miss out on a new joys and happiness out of some curmudgeonly (laughs) belief that it was never as good as when i was 12 years old
0: (laughs) that is awesome that is so awesome but the fact that you are aware of that tells me that you won't be that type Uh, of person yeah (laughs) Um, i am afraid I did something today. I asked for help today, and i i asking for help scares me, and I asked somebody for help today, and I did it through an email, and I am afraid that I looked uh pathetic, needy, weak, or even worse manipulative hmm. and I've been thinking about
1: it all day, yeah. Well, I, uh, the manipulation thing is interesting because anytime I worried about having done something, uh, and, uh, because I think, what if somebody thinks that maybe this is manipulative? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, somebody, my therapist was like, cause I was like, Oh, I, I think I did this because I manipulated somebody. And they're like, if it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a a loving thing, and it wasn't evil. Like yeah. that, probably wasn't the main thing. Was manipulation? Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, it's funny the the asking for help thing. My oldest sister and I, I remember I went and visited her when she was in college, and she was like, "I have to ask the guy across the way for like uh for for like uh rice or something," and she's like, "I can't do it. I I can't ask help from anybody." And I was like, Amy, me too. <laughs> like We both like totally <laughs> bonded over this, like how uncomfortable it makes us to ask for things. It, yeah. It's,
0: it's unbelievable. And, and as I was typing the email, asking the person, um, for help, it's a, it's a high visibility, uh, person mm-hmm. who, um, I've pre- previously asked to come on the show mm-hmm. and they like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always um, not worked out for one reason or another, mm-hmm. and I'm in kind of a state right now because downloads are are uh, dipping a little bit mm-hmm. and and I know that I need to to ask for help. But as I was typing this email, I decided, okay, I'm just gonna be honest about my feelings. I'm going to share that I'm in this place where I'm kind of afraid, mm-hmm. and as I started to open up and let my defenses down, typing this, tears were rolling down my face. Mm-hmm. And an hour after I sent it, and and I in the email I said, you know, I'm uh, I'm crying as I'm typing this mm-hmm. because I'm um, I, I'm so afraid of looking needy, mm-hmm. but I need also need help. Right. And after I sent it, I just went into a tailspin of. Oh my god, you are such an idiot. You are so weak. Um and what you did was manipulative. Mm. And I'm still kind of in that place, but I feel better having heard what what you
1: what your therapist yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And uh I, you know, for me, you know, I I can't speak to this person, but like the it is always refreshing when somebody is vulnerable. It's like yeah. it's like oh thank god I would, you know mm-hmm. cuz then i think what it does is it makes another person go okay then i can be or oh if i have this feeling i feel less alone, you know. Yeah. Right. Um do you want another? Yeah, yeah, give me another one. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm
0: uh Um, And by the way, speaking of uh, vulnerable, uh, a thought occurred to me. I I play ice hockey, Uh and the thought occurred to me the other night that I am less afraid of breaking my leg playing ice hockey than I am asking somebody to water my plants. (laughs) And I'm not kidding.
1: I'm not kidding. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. (laughs) Um. Let's go to Love's. Let's go okay. to Loves. Okay. Okay. Um. I love how
0: readily you accepted my invite uh, to come on the podcast and how uh, gracious and friendly uh, you were because sometimes you don't know with comedians. You don't know if you're getting a cynical curmudgeon or somebody that feels like they're doing it out of obligation. But um, you you have such a great... Um, warm, positive energy about you. Um, I'm,
1: I just love that it worked out. Oh, thanks. Paul. well, Well, I, uh, I love that you asked me to do this because I think it was like, uh, I just, uh, I, you know, the, um, I did have a day of sort of anxiety Mm -hmm. and, uh, to be able to come into a room and talk to somebody openly about my feelings and their feelings it's the sweetest medicine you can get, so oh, wow. it's a, it was a nice way to end a very anxious day so
0: well, thank you. I love that. I appreciate that uh you know what that's a good note that's a good note to end on so let's uh let's wrap it up and All get right. the fuck out of here. Sure, I, yeah. go back to being cynics
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank, thank you Paul. thanks, buddy. What a sweet, sweet man, and uh not only for that interview but for never during the interview saying, are you going to talk this much the whole fucking time? Am I going to be able to get in a word edgewise? Maybe it's just my imagination, but listening back, it felt like i fucking talked way too much Uh, and was a know-it-all. But other than that, I was great. I I want to tell you guys about uh, our sponsor, HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients, measured to the exact quantities needed, so there's no food waste. Uh, HelloFresh delivers food to your doorstep in a recyclable, insulated box for free. And HelloFresh is now offering light fall meals and has just introduced breakfast options. I like the sound of that. I have tried HelloFresh. It is tasty. It is fresh. It is brought Right to your door. What more could you possibly want? How about the fact that it's less than 10 bucks a meal? Delicious ingredients. You'll love to eat. Simple recipes. You'll live to cook. You want a part of that? Then go to HelloFresh.com, use offer code MENTAL30, and you get 30 bucks off your first week of deliveries. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com and use offer code MENTAL30. All right. Let's let us let us read some surveys shall we uh this one is filled out this is an awful moment filled out by uh harry and he writes he's 17 he writes one time i finally built up enough courage to start seeing a therapist but first i had to get referred by the family doctor when I spoke to her, she said, I could definitely not have a mental illness because I presented myself neatly and didn't, in her words, quote, look depressed. I came out of there so dejected, partly because at my, at the time, my hair was longer and just about everyone told me to get a haircut because it made me look depressed. How, how are we granting medical licenses to doctors who still think you can tell somebody is depressed by looking at them. Unbelievable. Uh, This is also from a 17-year-old who calls herself uh, Tyler Punch Me. And she writes... Uh, this is an some moment. I haven't been feeling very emotionally stable as of late because I've been off my meds for a while. I've been looking up the personals on Craigslist, you know, where people post ads for sex. I've replied to a few and have seriously thought about meeting random guys for sex. Instead, I've decided to sell my used underwear. I consider that a victory. That, uh... Apparently in Japan, that is something that uh, they have, I don't know if this is true or not, but people have told me, they have vending machines in airports where you can buy the used underwear of teenage girls. This is an awful moment filled out by uh, easiest breakup ever. And uh, I'm just going to give you some backstory on it. Uh, She was going out with a guy for about a year and a half. He happened to be out of town and uh, and she writes, my only parent was in hospice and could die at any second. So for about four days, I would send simple texts such as thinking of you, hoping you're okay, etc. Nothing intense, nothing about my mother, but he knew about the circumstances. After about four days, I wondered if this was one of those ghosting deals. The next day, he called as if nothing was different. I asked about his business out of town. He told me that it had been postponed. I asked him why he hadn't checked in about my mother and about how I was doing. I said that having my mother in hospice was really painful and that I would have appreciated a bit of support and acknowledgement. And he said, and I quote, well, you've known for a long time now that she's gonna die. Why does really horrible shit like that make me almost giddy? You know what, maybe it's because the mean voice in my head that tells me I'm a terrible person, when I read something like that, I'm like, oh, oh, there are really, really terrible people out there. Maybe I'm not that bad. Uh, This is an awful moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Stinkomen, and she writes, "Uh, I have to move into my dorm room soon, and I'm so nervous about everything because my first year of college was kind of an emotional disaster for me, though I somehow managed to hide it. Today, I went to the campus with my mom to get a parking pass. The traffic in the area was horrible, and due to a mix-up, I had to drive around three separate buildings, and I was getting so pissed off at rude drivers and anxious about accidentally hitting all the college-age pedestrians that seemed to not really give a fuck about getting hit by a car. I can relate. She wrote that in parentheses. I was getting really overwhelmed and taking it out on my mom a little, and in my state, I turned the wrong way on a one-way street and almost collided into several cars. After a narrow miss, I pulled to the side in what looked like a normal parking spot, and my mom and I just sat there in silence. Then, scaring the shit out of me, someone knocked on my window and said loudly, You can't park here. I just looked at her and burst into tears. The woman looked at me in shock and kind of just walked away. I was sobbing so hard my mom could tell that it wasn't just the traffic that got to me. So I told her everything. How I'm scared of everything. How I lied about making friends and meeting people my first year. How I'm constantly mentally and emotionally exhausted. I told her I think I should get therapy and she lovingly agreed. She told me she had the exact same problems as me and how it was her goal in raising me To keep me from turning out like her which is why she was always pressuring me to try new things and was always worried about me not having friends i felt so much love and empathy for her in that moment and pride in my mom for trying so hard and achieving to be better than her own abusive parents i'm scared to start therapy but i'm really hopeful that i can finally make meaningful connections with people all because of that fucking parking space Thank you for sharing that. You know, I wonder too if your mom's, your mom's well-meaning, the focus on you becoming something, even if it's becoming not something, is a, is a form of pressure. You know, I think a lot of times that parents make the mistake of swinging too hard the other way. And then it just becomes another form of trying to control a child. But it sounds, you know, the fact that she's open to you going to therapy, it sounds like she really does care. But uh, maybe I just shit on her right there. Maybe I did that. Maybe I didn't. Where's the truth? Uh hey, I want to uh, ask you guys for a favor. There is speaking of uh, colleges, there is a um, a guy named Sam who is uh, a graduate student in uh, clinical psychology. And he asked me if he could ask you guys to fill out a survey. Um, he's, he's looking into how the podcast might make listeners feel differently about mental illness. And it's a totally anonymous survey. And uh, by participating in it, uh, you get the opportunity to enter a raffle uh, for one of two $25 gift cards, uh, for Amazon. And, uh, I'm going to put a link up to the survey and, uh, under the show notes for this. And, uh, I'm not involved in the survey in any way, except that I have agreed to, uh, tell you guys about it because I think, um, gathering any data about mental health, um, so we can know more about it is a good cause. And uh, he seems like a nice guy. So uh, th- that is not a commercial thing. He is writing his PhD. Um, and this is the topic he has chosen, is, uh, which is very flattering. What, what kind of a dick would I be if I said, no, I want you to write your, your PhD on how my podcast affects people without offering you any help. You're on your own. This is a shame and secret survey, and I just want to read one portion of it. It's filled out by a woman who calls herself, When Does Life Begin? And uh, to the question, have you ever been physically or emotionally abused? She writes, uh, been physically and emotionally abused. I'm 33 years old, but my mother was abusive growing up by ignoring me and my older brother while she was in a depression. I have felt sorry for her my entire life. She smacked me across the face when I was around 15, probably because I argued with her about the weather. Um, when I was a teenager, uh, my brother was driving and I was in the passenger seat. Uh, because I came out of the house late after babysitting, she threw a fit and drove fast in the car and then slammed on the brakes as hard as she could and then started speeding down the highway again and slammed on the brakes as my body went forward, then backward, and forward again. I'm not sure how to deal with the fact that this happened or even know how to factor in how serious this is. Because she is my mother, there is a weird haze as to how to view her. I feel things are becoming more clear as I get older, but it scares me because she's also been there for me during my emotional struggles. I tried talking to my brother about this recently, and he told me he didn't want to listen to my, quote, bullshit. He sounds like a terrific guy. Part of me wants to give up on both these relationships, but I feel too much fear to completely lose them. Thank you so much for sharing that because, my God, what a, what a universal struggle you are having. I It's one of the most common things I read in these surveys is people don't know how to handle sick or toxic family members. And I don't know if I have an answer to this, but I personally think you should never rule out limited or no contact with anybody. I don't care if it's your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter... Toxicity is toxicity. And if people aren't willing to put effort into a relationship, then all you're doing is enabling their sick behavior or you're, you know, you're trying to drink from it, from a dry well. Just a thought that occurred to me. Maybe try making a list of what, what are the positive aspects of keeping a relationship with them and what are the ne- negative aspects of it? And then what are the positive aspects of not having a relationship with them. And what are the negative aspects of not having a relationship? With them? And then look at it so you have it you have it on paper. Maybe you even do it on your phone because it's not 1889, Paul. He said as he moved away his paper in a flourish of old personness, This is a happy moment filled out by a guy who calls himself stranger in a strange land, and he writes, my wife and I turned an unused closet into a safe room for her. No lights, no electronics, no stimuli, just carpet and a huge six foot stuffed teddy bear. This is so she can feel safe and calm down when she gets overstimulated. The rules we laid out are no food, no electronics, and if she is in there, I leave her alone unless she invites me to join her. If I do join her, I won't talk unless she asks me a direct question. I'm not in there to talk. I'm in there to listen and be present with her. One time, while we were both in this closet, it's tiny, maybe four by four, she opened the door so that we could have enough room to lay down, then turned and laid her body down on mine. I was just lying there, my head propped against the giant bear, my back on the carpet-covered concrete, my wife's weight on my chest, her breathing in and out softly. It was the most blissful moment of my life, and I wished it would never end. Being loved and touched by another person who's let me support their full weight, mentally and emotionally, it was pure, unadulterated joy. That's really beautiful. And I judged you at first. I was like, oh, your precious little safe room. And then I got about halfway through it and I was like, oh, I'd like to have one of those. I always feel comfortable in a really small carpeted space. Like one of my favorite, this is so fucked up, but one of my favorite memories of college was my roommate and I did mushrooms one night. And we just wanted to get away from everybody. And so we went into our little tiny room and we went into the tiny carpeted closet and we just laughed and laughed and it felt so safe. So what I'm saying is you need to get on some mushrooms with your wife. Otherwise, you're looking at divorce. And uh, I love that you are uh, over 70. I I love uh, when I get surveys filled out by people that are really young or really old Um, because it uh, I feel like it just reminds me or us that just how universal mental and emotional struggles are Uh, this is a shame and secret survey and (laughs) maybe one of my favorite names ever Uh, he calls himself I called my mom a cunt on Christmas, I really wish I had some Christmas music to cue. Uh, he is straight in his 30s, raised in a, I'm going to guess, a mildly or a very dysfunctional environment. Pretty dysfunctional environment. Uh, he was the victim of sexual abuse, and one time he reported it, and another time he never reported it. He writes, my brother tormented physically and sort of sexually for six months to a year when I was around 12 or 13. He squeezed me against the bed under blankets. Now I have claustrophobia. Uh, made me take part in tormenting the dog in a similar way, poked at my junk, left dirty pictures lying around for me to find, chased me through the house, threatening sexual violence, slapping me in the face, taking my bike and wrecking it, calling me lazy, ratting me out to mom, and generally making my life a living hell. When I told her uh, it was happening, during that period she told me to go figure it out between us. So needless to say, her disregarding it, 20 years later was pretty upsetting. And then, after reconciling, she did it again five years later. He's been, uh, obviously, physically and emotionally abused. Uh, He writes, The laziness thing has haunted me ever since. The slapping made me extremely sensitive to physical touch and gave me a nasty hair-trigger temper. Any positive experiences with the abuser? Yeah, I adored my brother. He was my hero. Uh, my ex-wife was amazing when she wanted to be. The rest of the time, she belittled me, intimidating, intimidated me physically, threatened to shame me, and then did. And cheated on me with our friend and never admitted it. So all the bird watching, vacations, TV and all wasn't enough to offset the pain. Darkest thoughts. I have thoughts about underage girls. Also, stepsister and stepdaughter porn has been getting me lately. I don't uh, do it so, not so much anymore, but for a long time I wanted to kill people who had hurt or embarrassed me, my brother most of all darkest secrets. I pursued girls who were 15 or 16 when I was 20 and 21. I did a few things with them sexually that I shouldn't have and the whole thing was seedy and gross. I loved them, but now I know that's what a lot of predators tell themselves. I think my brother may have actually sexually molested me, but I can't remember anything more than cuddling. Uh, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Two women having rough sex, gagging and choking. I feel kind of shameful about it, but I know it's not bad. I don't do that stuff with anyone unless they're into it. I didn't even know I was into it until I dated someone who enjoyed it. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? To my brother. You hurt me so badly, it derailed my entire life. I've spent years being afraid of you and hiding who I really was. I felt like a monster, a dirty, disgusting creature that no one would love if they knew who I was and what I'd done. I hurt other girls because I thought that their affection for me was something I couldn't get anywhere else. And to Mom, I already said it all. I called her a cunt on Christmas, for God's sake. What, if anything, do you wish for? That my mom will change, that she will fully validate my hurts and apologize for letting me down so many times. I wish my brother would come clean and admit the full extent of what he did to me. Uh, Have you shared these things with others? Yeah, uh, it's gone okay. Some people think what I did with those girls isn't so bad, but they won't talk to me, so I figure it felt pretty terrible uh, for them. I felt so ashamed telling people, but my therapist let me know that what matters most is we let ourselves feel that and move on. I don't hurt people now, and that's a good thing. Um, How do you feel after writing these things down? Better. I don't know if I'll ever feel totally great about calling my mom a cunt on Christmas, but it is pretty funny, LOL. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? You guys, you are not alone you are beautiful expressions of the goddess's love. You have a chance in every moment to show your appreciation for life and other people. Please find times to say loving things to yourself and the people you love or dogs or cats or fish or the mailman. I'm a mailman and that would be awesome. A lot of us are sad, lonely people who could use the pick-me-up. Uh... Do you have any comments or suggestions to make the podcast better? Dude, seriously? Question mark. You're hitting on all cylinders. Maybe get a hot girlfriend who comes on the show and reads surveys in a sexy low tone. Question mark. Thank you for filling that out and thank you for your honesty. Um and um you know, I I heartily agree with what your therapist says is the important thing is that you are you are not um doing those behaviors now and and I, I hope you can get to a point where you are okay whether you have a relationship with your mother or your brother or not because um, a lot of us drive ourselves crazy unwilling to let go of the illusion that somebody is going to change that they're going to see their behavior um, and suddenly realize how wrong it is. This is a happy moment filled out by Judy Jetson, and she writes, uh, I've had a multitude of brain problems for my entire life, one being bulimia nervosa. I'm 38, hospitalized nine times, feeding tubes, inpatient, outpatient, hypnosis, CBT, psychotherapy, dietitians, the works. I had a breakdown six years ago and have been on disability since. I live in Canada, and that's when I really, really started to try and recover. I really tried. It's hard. It's painful. It felt hopeless more times than not, like I would be haunted by this thing forever. Eating disorder hospital is not fun. Supervised, timed, pre planned meals in a room called the quote, mechanical eating room was my life for three years, plus a whole bunch of other super fun therapy things. Anyhow, I went to my nephew's fifth birthday last week, and we had hot dogs and birthday cake. I sat there, staring at my empty plate, and realized for the first time in 25 years that I am free. Eating disordered thoughts didn't hijack my brain, not even once. I enjoyed every single minute of his birthday. I thought the hot dog was gross, but I ate it anyway and talked and laughed and played pin the tail on the Power Ranger. It may not seem like a big deal to anyone else, but it's a big deal to me, a huge deal actually. I went to the bathroom and cried happy tears. Even though my eating disorder has been under control for a full year, it was the first time it actually occurred to me, actually sank in that I am no longer scared of food or of dying. I didn't have to lie and hide from my family. I wasn't numb from barfing. And I could be absolutely present in the moment. 25 years of my life of suffering is over. I'm so proud of myself. I've never been so proud of myself for anything. And I've only told two people. That is one of the most touching things i i've ever read i mean you just painted such a such a picture of your emotional life really 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 awesome um I want to read. You know what? I think I want to end on that one. I think I want to end on that one. Yeah. Um. You can't top that one. How do you top that one? And I know a lot of uh, listeners out there struggle with disordered eating, and um, I-, I hope that that gives you um, some some hope that. Um, that we can recover from whatever it is that we're struggling with, and uh, and it reminds you that you are not alone. It's so easy to feel that we're alone, and whatever it is that we're struggling with, you know. When I get in my head doing this podcast, i i I like mentally isolate myself. You know, like it's you guys versus me, and I forget that you are well. You give me the benefit of the doubt that you let me be myself. You let me be human. You let me make mistakes, and you and you still come back. Um, and it's okay for me to maybe have an episode where I talk too much, or where I imagine that I'm talking too much. Um, so maybe this week let's try to go easy on ourselves, huh? Let's do that, and uh, just never forget you're not alone. And thanks for listening.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully up in some weird